My name is Tim Guccione, and welcome to a very special Father's Day episode of No Time to Bond, where we'll discuss many aspects of Bond, James Bond, from the cultures to the filmmaking, from personal memories and everything in between, to the influence that one of the biggest franchises of all time has had on myself, my father. Well, thanks for letting me be here for a change. <laughs> <laughs> of course, Dad, of course. Um, and our guest for today. Uh, you know him as the master of the tie, the lover of Bond, so much so that he is addicted. It's the British Bond addict himself, Chris Hunt, joined by his father, Stephen. Hi, oh. gentlemen. Welcome. Hey, good evening. Good evening. Thanks for having us on. Of course. Anytime, anytime. Um, so most of our listeners uh, know how I got into Bond through my dad. Uh, and in your case, Chris, it's uh, similar. So how did you get into Bond through your dad? Um, well, back back ages ago, essentially, you kind of just have the the films. On, we had VHS films at that point, and they're just kind of beyond on in the background. Mm. Normally on weekends would be when they uh, when they when they'd be shown. Um, mm. Normally it'd be a few films repeated as opposed to the entire library. So Diamonds Are Forever and You Only Live Twice would get most viewing. I feel throughout <laughs> it, um, but it's such a part of it that even to the stage where in the car we'd have a have a um, little cassette tape with all the James Bond theme songs in. So it wasn't necessarily completely directed at me, but it was unavoidable regardless. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> that was the plan and it's obviously worked. <laughs> <laughs> of course, absolutely. I mean, and then uh, Stephen, how did you first get into Bond and what have you preferred more over the years, the books or the films? Um, again, got into it through my own father. Um, I was born in 1961, I've just turned 60. Um, and my dad was an avid reader of the Bond books, um, certainly when the film franchise started. Interestingly, him and my mum, uh, they saw Dr. No up in London uh, on its release, but they'd gone up to see another film and they couldn't get in. So mm. they went in to see Dr. No and were blown away by the intro. The, um, you know, obviously what we know now is the sniper, sniper scope and then the sudden crash impact of that music. And we're diehard fans from then on. Um, I was taken to my first Bond movie when I was 10, um, and it went on from there. So. And which uh, which film was that? Diamonds Are Forever, 1971. <laughs> place called Northfields in West London. Uh, we, we went there, watched it, and it was a oh, fantastic experience. Um, I'd seen a few movies before then anyway, but nothing of that sort of genre. And as a 10-year-old... Uh, what watching a Bond movie, having known what Bond was going to be about. Oh, brilliant. Fantastic. Um, but what happened at, What happened after you left the cinema? Yeah, unfortunately, unfortunately, the night was very memorable because having watched a fantastic film, we came out into the car park to find our car had been stolen. Oh, oh my God. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. So, so perhaps not a good it, but, but I don't remember that bit so well as I remember the impact of the film. So it still works. Oh, yeah. Ab ab absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I mean, we wouldn't be talking here today if not for that. Exactly. So, um, so now this is a question for everybody, and I'll answer first, and then everyone can uh, go after that. Um, how do you think your love for Bond has affected your uh, life beyond the reg your regular like day to day? Like I know for me, I am quoting Bond quite a bit, um, and generally in just like regular everyday life, you can always find just a quote. Um, that just fits like the moment of something that you're doing. Um, mm. So, I mean, what, what about uh, what about you guys? Well, I think if we're talking about quotes in particular, there's something that's kind of, um, I've, um, my dad, myself, and my brother, there's one quote that we always say all the time from Diamonds, and I'm going to let Dad start it because I'm so confident he's going to say the right one. 
I got a brother. Okay. Small world. <laughs> <laughs> we use that too. We do use that too. Quite a bit, actually. Quite a bit. As as much of a not not a fan I am of that film. I do think that there's a lot of great quotable lines in the film as a, as a whole. Sorry, you're not a fan of that film. I'm not a huge fan of that film, though. Sorry, can you can you hit him, please? Hit him very hard. <laughs> <laughs> but I have grown to appreciate it more over the years. Oh, okay. I like you again now. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I think the thing with Bond outside of well, Bond outside of watching a film itself is how much we discuss it. Um, mm. You and me in particular, as well as um, my brother, um, on occasion. Mm-hmm. And obviously, while my brother is quite into it, I would say it's slightly different from the depths of nerds yeah. and we plunged. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think it'll be just uh, it'll be side by it'll be side in comments. It'll be watching other TV shows and recognizing an actor, and then just texting each other about that. Oh, yeah. I saw um, Shane Rimmer on a mm. UFO this morning. Something something along those lines. <laughs> and it gets to the stage where it does kind of inform almost some like purchases towards each yeah. other. Like we bought each other Bond-related gifts from time to time, mm-hmm. and because we are very similar we we often just buy things for ourselves and just give it to the other person because we know if we like it <laughs> i like it too <laughs> I, know, I think you and i have done that a, a few times especially oh, yeah. especially <laughs> recently you know it's more although although you. since he likes the v8 and i like the db5 oh some of the gifts there have to be yeah it's got, got to be isn't it got to <laughs> yeah, be. Exactly. yeah well it's but Dad, what about you? How has Bond affected how you, you know, with things you do in your day to day life? I want to go back to when I saw the first Bond movie. Oh yeah, I thought oh, this for was yours? kind of an interesting story. Yeah, yeah. So, so you were ten. I was born in nineteen sixty one as well. I'll be sixty in, in yeah. December. Uh-huh. Uh, what a vintage year! Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely, all, all enduring us. <laughs> and uh, so, the first film that I actually saw was Goldfinger. And wow. so, but, but it's, there's a story, of course. So drive-in movies were very big then. And so there was a drive-in movie about uh, 10 or 12 minutes from, from where we lived. And my parents, because they didn't have much money uh, at the time, would go to drive-in movies. Instead of paying a babysitter, they'd bring me along and I'd fall asleep at some point in the back of the car. So you can imagine I wasn't very old during Goldfinger, born in 61. <laughs> But the film made such an impression upon me that I forced them to take me to all the other films <laughs> and drive-ins. So what made the impression upon me, of course, was the DB5. Yeah. And uh, you know, I fell asleep you know, well before the end of the film. But the car made such an impression that for um, Holiday, I asked for a plastic version of it, an electric version of it that would light up and it would drive and everything else. And, and that was my big first memory of James Bond. It really wasn't Sean Connery, but it was the car. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. <Yeah>. <laughs> and so now I have one of those cars on my shelf in my office uh, oh, here in my house. Um, it's not the one from the 60s, but it is electric and the lights and the machine guns and everything, you know, sort of <laughs> does a little something, which Tim gave me, of course. Um, but uh, that was my first uh, memory. And I think that's why uh, Sean Connery sticks in, in my head as still the best bond because that was my first exposure although i have to say i I do share that with tim that diamonds isn't my favorite film however however (laughs) it's because sean connery was so good in goldfinger and thunderball and some of the other films that i thought he wasn't quite as good in diamonds and so that's that's why not because i don't think it's a good film but i just don't think it's quite as good as some of the earlier connery films Mm. 
Yes. Agreed. Yeah. yeah. Well, think, thinking about it, talk, we're talking about obviously our first films and such. Tim, your first Bond film in the cinema, you must have seen it with your dad, right? Yes, I did. And I was very kind of like worried because I was very young at the time. I, was literally, I think I was six. It was Tomorrow Never Dies. And and I, I remember like being like, am I allowed to go in? Am I like, is there like some kind of thing? Or am I going to like, I was like, I was very much like older than I actually was. Like, you know, <laughs> I was, yeah. I've was i always been an older soul. So I like, you know, so being at six, I was like worried. Oh, am I going to get, you know, carded? But there or were I don't a have a car where I had to go. <laughs> <laughs> that's, true. that's true. That's true. Yeah. And the, and the love, the love scenes were very much like, yeah, I was like not allowed to see that. Oh, I was quite lucky because the first Bond film I got to see in the cinema, I was nine, and it was uh, Die Another Day. And at that point, Bond had become quite a thing that going to see my first one in the cinema, even mm. though uh, what World Is Not Enough was, what, 99? Mm. It was just a bit too... Yeah. I would have been six today. Yeah. yeah, I think that would have been a bit stringent because that's a clear 12 film. Um, I remember that was kind of like a huge book to see the first one in the cinemas. And of course, nine years old, Die Another Day was perfect. Um, I yeah. might not say about how I feel about it now. Um, but that was, a, that was, I remember that being a very, very big moment. Yes. That was a very, like, I remember that weekend very clearly. Yeah. Like, that was a fantastic moment. Yeah. And I remember going to see um, the Die Another Day with you and my grandfather at the time. So we had three generations. Not your father. Oh, my, wow. Yeah, mm, not your father. My but father-in-law. Your father-in-law. Um, but yeah, I was just, yeah. And I remember going to see it twice that opening weekend with you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> same, with, same with Casino Royale, though, as well. Yeah, it's it's always been like a big thing to just go. I mean, honestly, when you when you want to go to a Bond film, you want to go with you know someone who's going to appreciate it just as much as you. And for a lot of people, it's been your you know your father. Well, tell yeah. them yeah. how we were planning on going to the new film had it come out. <laughs> we were going to yes. We had tickets and everything. We bought tickets and like mo like a lot of people. And yeah. you know, of course, we found out that the film got you know delayed and is still delayed until October. And I won't believe that it's actually real until it comes out. Uh, <laughs> but you know, I, I think that you know we we planned to just make it a special day. We were going to go out to dinner. We were going to really make just like a whole thing of it because it really deserves to be that no matter what film no matter how good or bad it is you're going there because you love the character you mm. know yeah but tell them where we were going to see oh, it. we were going to new york city which you know is only about 40 minutes away for us but like <laughs> you know we were gonna go see it in very large imax and all that stuff <laughs> the only large imax left in the area yeah well, <laughs> so, so just like why not do that That's yeah it. exactly and i was even gonna bring my brother and um who's very similar to your brother chris in the way you described him because my my brother he likes bond but he doesn't he's not he doesn't nerd out in the way my dad and i do <laughs> yeah of course so, yeah. <laughs> I think if if you're talking about the cinema sort of experience, I mean the one specifically we had with Skyfall was oh, one of my like the reason Skyfall is one of my favorite films is because of how we experienced it in the cinema. And yeah. the first time we both went into it, like kind of expecting a good film, yeah. and there was a moment where the film finished and we didn't say anything until yeah. we actually got back into the car because we were yeah. both kind of like so shell shocked by it, still trying to process Just it all, yeah. process all of it. And I think at one point you said like. I wouldn't be upset if the franchise ended there because you thought yep. it was yeah. such a, like, a If that had been the last Bond movie, I wouldn't have been upset because that was, for me, that was a nice little ending. But then it was the four other times we went to the cinema to watch. Well, yeah, yeah, it's a, yes. And then it got to the stage where back then, obviously, um, Dad was still at work and we lived in our old place in a completely different part of England. Mm -hmm. And when the DVD came out, I sprinted down to the shops, picked yeah. it up, picked you up from work, dressed up in a suit. We went back, <laughs> had like the homemade martinis yeah. and all that sort of stuff. Just because... <laughs> Like you guys, we like to make an event out of it. Oh, we, still, yeah. we still do, really. We've, we've really taken on board the cocktail part of it. 
<laughs> That's fantastic. So, so how many times do you actually see most of these films in the in the movie theater before you? I think done the day. I think you up until done other day, you'd have been watching it yourself. I yeah. don't know if you did many repeats back then. I did most of them twice. Yeah. One yeah. once I was you know, actually watching them um, when they were being released because of course. As your dad will know, um, back in the 1960s, that's it. You'd see it once, and it uh, it wasn't on television, and there were no videos, and yeah. you'd have to wait years before you saw it again. Yeah. And mm -hmm. I can remember, I saw Diamonds was my first film. Uh, my second film was uh, from Russia with Love, which I saw in 1973. Um, I was on a school vacation trip, and we had the afternoon off, and uh, a group of us went to a cinema in a place called Chester, up in northern England. Um, and we were in there, and it was a double bill of Diamonds Are Forever and um, From Russia With Love. Ooh. And From Russia With Love, now that really did blow me away as, <laughs> yeah. a, as an espionage movie. Oh, Whoa. Yeah. I mean, I, I enjoyed Diamonds, but my God, From Russia With Love, <laughs> now that was a spy story. And that's in your top five, I believe. That's right? in my top five. Yeah. Yeah, I, I love this guy. <laughs> <laughs> I knew we we'd ought to be one. doing these podcasts. Get rid of the youngsters. <laughs> <laughs> that, After all, we lived through all these films. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <Our lives. laughs> That's the spinoff I've been looking for. And I'm just <laughs> no time for youth podcast. <laughs> no time for youth. <laughs> well, no, so, when it came, when it came the, into us watching the films together, we we're more likely to go a few more times. I think it kicked off properly with The Incredibles, which is there's a few Bond references there, so I'm going to tie in. Mm -hmm. you start, we watched that quite a few times we enjoyed it so much five times yeah five. <laughs> um casino i watched with my friends for the first time i watched that without dad and that was that felt like betrayal but then we caught it again later <laughs> we watched quantum twice yep. mainly because we were confused yep. uh, and then spectre <laughs> then we had up, yeah. obviously skyfall quite a few times and spectre we we did we catch I, up I only saw it once with you you saw it once with me yeah. and i think i saw it again by myself afterwards yeah. so um I think when no, Dime, no Time to Die does come out, just because it'll be back into, you know, hopefully normal life, we'll probably do it more than once regardless of oh, the quality, yeah. just because yeah. we can go to the cinema and watch a Bond film. Yeah. yeah, Exactly, exactly. And I remember we actually saw Skyfall four times, but I think three times together. Mm -hmm. We yeah. saw it, I think, twice. I think we, I saw it, uh, well, this is very interesting. So uh, in 2012, Hurricane Sandy uh, hit, um, you know, the East Coast here, and it was devastating um and i was going to school out in long island at the time and i remember being so like frustrated because this is the first time i was away at school and i was like i'm not gonna get to see bond with my dad and mm. it like it kind of it broke my heart a little bit and i was like i mean i will get to see it when i come home but like i'm not gonna get to see it opening weekend like we had had for all the previous films basically and luckily it was kind of in some ways a blessing in disguise um that it, the hurricane did hit because i ended up having to get evacuated and go back home and was home for the for two weeks span uh, where the weekend right before i went back is when the movie came out so i was able to still experience it with him which was like really special oh, and nice. yeah. um then you and i saw it at least what two more times together and i saw it once with some friends um and then specter of course we saw opening weekend and of course no time to die we're gonna see try to see as early as we possibly can mm. hopefully in imax in hopefully in imax yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if there's a movie theater still open that will do, that will show no, I'm just kidding. I, think, I think there will be you, you know speaking of skyfall since we were focusing on that film you should tell them about what you did with that one scene Oh, the oh yeah, the, I well I did a parody yeah, video yeah. Um, when I when I was in college. It's you know it's up on it's up on our podcast Instagram, um, and you know I did a whole uh, bit like my favorite part to do was doing the um, 
the interrogation scene. And I had to, <laughs> I basically was just like, well, how can we make this funny? So I basically took each, um, uh, you know, thing that he does the word association with and actually made it like a joke in, in and of itself. So when uh, he says bird, I said marshmallow and I pulled out a peep because it was right after Easter. And I was just, <laughs> <laughs> I was just like, this is like, this is the perfect, this is, I was like, okay, how can we escalate this in a very funny way? Mm. Um, and I think really at that time, I probably have a bit of Skyfall overload. I like, I love that film, but mm. like, I think I've grown to appreciate some of the older films more over the years uh, yeah. because of you. Yeah. I think the one thing you to tell them about the train, which, Oh, the train. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I did. I did put myself eating. The whole point was it was fat James Bond. And I was a little bit, I was, I was quite heavy at the time. And I was like, well, what if James Bond was just like overweight and out of shape and couldn't do anything because in the movie i'm like how i can't believe that daniel craig is out of shape in this movie like look at how he like he looks great like there's no way any guy would be out of shape um so that was the concept behind it and i basically had a friend who was very good at after effects at the time and he put me into the subway train that's coming down the tube train that's coming down uh into to, to get bond and it's just me eating a sandwich in the driver's seat <laughs> <laughs> so instead of trying to prevent the train from coming, I'm literally the one driving the train that's going. That <laughs> <laughs> oh, was so good. That was very good. It was very good. And you love you love that so much, though. I know. Yeah. We, we can also talk about your rendition of Moonraker, surely. Oh yes, absolutely. <laughs> which which is really just a lip sync, but uh, I do do a pretty good Shirley Bassey impression. <laughs> 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 and meanwhile, I'm gonna actually do it right now. I'm just kidding. <laughs> But yeah, I feel like, you know, the, the father son, you know, thing of going to the movies, whether it be Bond or anything, um, is just so crucial, I feel in society, it's just like, you know, because there's so many things we pass down, you know, like, bef like, before there were movies, it was books. And before there were books, it was, you know, like stories, stories. And, you know, a lot of times, you know, it gets passed down from father to son, because that's how it's gonna, you know, move forward and i feel like you know with bond it's that's really like the big thing because it's a guy's film it's marketed towards men and the, the male fantasy of being able to travel and all that stuff and go to all these exotic locations and we just you know i think you you know want to you know you guys want to share that with you know your kids so here's one other thing that we do before we see a Bond film, we see all the Bond films before it with that actor. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so we'll we'll watch all the Daniel Craig movies before October. Yeah. Yep. And yeah, then yeah. then we'll go to the theater just to kind of yeah. tune in. <laughs> Talking about going with your dad, it's um when I was a kid, it, it the film seemed to split into two types. There were the films we went to as a family. I've got a younger sister. So the films the four of us would go to, mm -hmm. um, which were the light-hearted, more comedy films, Herbie, The Love Bug, that sort of thing. I can remember that. I can remember going to a cinema in London where there was a VW Beetle in the foyer, mocked up with the, um, the number 53 and all the all the uh, decals on it. <laughs> but then there were the serious films where it was just me and Dad. Um, the problem with the family films was that my sister, who's three years younger than me, you put her in a dark cinema room, she starts feeling a bit nauseous. And you get about halfway through the film and my sister's got to be taken out. 
So there's a whole raft of comedy films in the 1960s where I never saw the last half hour because <laughs> we my sister was feeling ill. <laughs> but the ones with my dad, I can remember seeing um, Magnificent Men in Their Flying Machines. That was a comedy film from the mid-60s. Uh, the Battle of Britain, the big epic about the mm. um, RAF during the Second World War. Mm. Uh, Anthony Hopkins in Freight When Eight Bells Toll. And, of course, the Bond movies, um, where I can remember going to watch the early ones just me and dad and it was it was a big bonding thing it was the two of us together watching it yeah watching a man's film at the age of 11. <laughs> there you go <laughs> i think one of the things i found interesting especially over the last year being able to meet so many different people in the community overall um with so many different aspects of bond uh if we're sticking on the father's day theme there's quite a few uh women i've met whose dad took them to bond films as well mm-hmm. um there's one uh well, obviously talk about burb james burb she loves bond because her dad used to take and the first one was like live and let die which is mm. louisiana and yeah. it just <laughs> kicked off there yeah. and numerous other people in the um community so like it's obviously the from our point of view mm. as for as for white men uh we, yeah. we've got a very specific <laughs> point of view um yeah. but like obviously i like how sometimes it transcends and it's not it's, it's, not, it's not a specific curve in normal, mm-hmm. but it, it does always seem to be the fathers who instigate the Bond knowledge, yeah. like, well, the Bond fandom, yeah. that I've noticed. And, yeah, as I just I just appreciate that it's something that it's shown in that respect, because obviously with different tiers of Bond film, there's different levels of, like, okay, here's the next stage of something. Mm-hmm. So, like, mm-hmm. you could watch The Diamonds Are Forever from quite... That's why you put on so much when I was younger, I'm sure. Not, <laughs> not only for indoctrination, <laughs> but because there's nothing... It's pretty harmless overall. <laughs> And then when it gets a little bit older, you can... I remember when you, you save specific Bond films for me to watch. So the last one I actually watched was Licence to Kill. You saved mm. that for the longest time yeah. because, of course, it was a rated 15 over here. And right. because it is quite gruesome. Mm. Um, but also because there are some films you left for a while because you didn't think I'd be able to appreciate it properly yeah. in yeah. some aspects. So, like, why would you... Sh- like one of the, I didn't see the Italian job for the longest time. And I never knew what the ending was. And because you didn't want it to be watered down for me, mm. so I saw it. It was like, oh, I know this ending. Yeah. I think it's the same with Bond as well. There's some bits where you can see and just kind of get over it. But I don't think you showed me from Russia of Love for the longest time until I could actually yeah. really Good. grasp it. Yeah. Same with a film like The Untouchables, uh, Kevin Costner. Mm. That's a film which you waited for a long time before yes. I could see yeah. it. Yeah. 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 And a lot of films like that, like, you know, you and I will go see a lot of serious films all the time. I mean, but obviously we always come back to Bond, but we always try to also see very similar things like Mission Impossible and, mm. um, uh, well, obviously even the uh, the remake of, oh, actually the Bourne series, I should say, and also the remake of The Italian Job, which I actually quite enjoy. Yeah. Um, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, and it's, so it's, it's interesting, like, how, like, there are also similar types of films that, you know, that end up getting passed down as well because you're like oh you should check this out if you like this you like this it's kind of like you know it's kind of it was kind of like you know uh, uh netflix before netflix you know how like it's like oh if you like this film you know maybe you should check this film out you know and mm. and i think that's i think that's we you know we didn't get that from a computer or anything first we got that from our fathers mm. so on that note in particular something i love about watching films with dad or tv shows you're like oh that's so and so who's in this and this and this and this and this um, which, of course, I could uh, I could essentially Wikipedia myself somehow, but the level of that would be so confusing that it's much easier when you say it. <laughs> and to watch a film, it's like, okay, I'm going to know something about somebody, which I had no idea of going into this. Mm-hmm. I think one of the first ones was like Ed Bishop. Uh, <laughs> I can't believe I'm bringing this up again. In Diamonds Are Forever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of TV shows that I liked when I was younger. The connections being made and being like, oh, that's Klaus Hergesheimer, who was Ed Bishop, who was Captain Blue, who was right. in uh, uh, UFO, all this jazz. Mm-hmm. And it, it's, I don't know what it is. There are times where, like, you you stumble to think of like yeah. think of something particularly. 
It never happens with actors. It mm. could be three o'clock in the morning with like a half <laughs> bottle of whiskey down. Oh, that's so and so. He's in this film. Here's the date. Here's the his length. <laughs> <laughs> The knowledge is outstanding. That's fantastic. The thing is, I think it's the reverse. I'm the one who knows all the people. You don't know anything. <laughs> I know all the cars. You know all the cars. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, but I, but I could always I could always be like, oh yeah, that guy was in this thing and that guy was in that thing and that was like, and you'd be like, okay. <laughs> yeah, but tell me what the horsepower is. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> Two hundred eighty-two horsepower. DB there we go. Straight six. <laughs> <laughs> Zero to 60 was in the low seven second range. That was really fast for then. Yeah, it was. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. Not but, to mention my GTI can do it in five and a half seconds now, but <laughs> back then, <laughs> that was really fast. But I, but I also, you know, obviously the V8 is technically faster. Oh, here we go. Actually, <laughs> <laughs> if, it's if you be... haven't heard our podcast comparing the DB5 and the V8, it, it's worth a listen. Because we pull all the technical stuff out. But when it comes down to it, I got more votes. Yeah. That's, that's true. You did. You did. You did. You did. But the V8's making a comeback because the V8's the car that actually gets to stick around in no time to die. Well, we'll see. Ooh, that's we'll see. Uh, <laughs> There's still some heat there, here. I think we might need to do a part two, but we're going to debate diff two different cars, I think. This, the second time around. So I have to ask a question. Of the Sean Connery films, where does Never Say Never fit in Ooh. for you? Ooh. Does it fit in? <laughs> where, well, <laughs> Chris That's and I are purists in that regard. <laughs> um, I was at, I used to work for the British government, and I was um, actually in the Caribbean uh, for a couple of years uh, when that came out. And I can remember watching it in a cinema in Trinidad. And oh, um, wow. I got very excited about it. And in fact, it was my first Bond movie without my dad. Oh. It was the first one I saw without dad. And I had these sort of conflicted feelings that, oh, okay, is, is Connery being a bit of a traitor here? You know, this is, <laughs> this is a bit different. Um, but I watched it. Um, the music wasn't right for me. That was the thing that let it down. It's got to be the music. Mm -hmm. And Never Say Never Again didn't have the music. It was... I. He's a good composer, but it just wasn't right. Mm -hmm. um, there were some good sequences in it. I enjoyed it. I liked a lot of the characterizations. And, all oh, right, Connery was looking good for a man of his age. You know, I wish I looked like that when I was 10 years younger than him. But I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, well, hair, hair, hair pieces help. Yeah, oh, they do. They do. <laughs> oh, I've got a story about that for Diamonds Are Forever. That's it. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, it was... It was a, now I watch it, it's a bit of a letdown. At the time, it was in a Bond styled atmosphere, and I would take anything at all. And of course, man, we're up against Octopussy. Um, I mean, I, I love Roger Moore. He's such a great, he was such a great guy. Yeah. Some of the other stuff he's done, television stuff over here, The Saint, of course, Persuaders, mm -hmm. and a lot of film stuff. The, the Wild Geese is probably one of my favorite Roger Moore movies. Mm -hmm. But by the time we get into Octopussy, it's, no, no, this is this is beginning to not feel quite so good anymore. It's, yeah. it's really just a little bit too old for this. Yeah. Um, so, of course, Never Say Never Again came across even better on the basis that Connery still looked better than Roger Moore did in those days. Yeah, um, and, of course, it had Mr. Bean in a Bond movie. That's right. <laughs> Rowan Atkinson, yeah. <laughs> I mean, what were they thinking of? Yeah. <laughs> what were they thinking of? What about the horse jumping off the side of the castle scene? Oh yeah, that's that, I I don't understand that at all. 
<laughs> they've cut that from um, British television versions now. Yep. There's um, the sequence where the horse jumps over the ramparts and you see them all land in the water. Yeah. That's now been completely cut from the British television versions. You can't, you don't see the horse eating the water anymore. Mm. Wow. About animal cruelty in some yeah, cases. Yeah. So, so in that case, which one are you going to pick, octopus or never say never again? Because I've, I've been camp octopusy. I there's quite a few bits about octopus I like. I can't. Every time I watch Never Say Never Again, I'm just going from the bits that I don't yeah. like onto the next bit I don't like. Yeah. And while I do like Klaus Maria Brandau as uh, Largo, brilliant. Yeah. That's really good. Yeah. Yes. There's just too many bits about it that, like the, the jetpack, where they go from one land, a piece of land to an. I, yeah. I know. Yeah. It, it, it makes me. Too, it makes me think about too many things. With Octopussy, yeah, there's moments I stand out and I don't like, mm. but there are some really, really good moments in Octopussy. Yeah. I really like some parts of it. Yeah. I, li- I love the train sequence in Octopussy. Actually, that's one yeah. of my favorite. Oh, it's so good. You mentioned Klaus Maria Brandauer in Never Say Never Again. Now, that was such a missed opportunity. That man should have been Canon Eon Bond. He was mm. just oh, a thrilling villain. And yeah. one of the bits of Thunderball was you could never, well, for me, I can never really understand why Claudine Auger as Domino is going for <laughs> Adolfo Celli as Emilio Lago. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, now I'm at that similar sort of age, I'm thinking, hey, I might have a chance. You never know. <laughs> Perhaps it's just as well. But um, but Klaus Maria Brandau, you could see why Kim Basinger would go for Klaus Maria Brandau. What a compelling actor. Mm-hmm. And uh, So that was the missed opportunity for me. Mm. i tell you what, though. We mentioned rugs. Um, I knew someone whose father worked on Diamonds Are Forever. And mm. you know the sequence towards the end where Bond appears at um, Blofeld's oil rig and he's parachuted down in this big inflated thing and it rolls towards? Mm-hmm. And you see it come up. And then as the zip starts to go, there's a cut scene and you see Connery come out and it's clearly already deflated. The reason for that was it was pressurised and when they opened it, Connery's wig kept flying off. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, Sean. (laughs) I did not know that. I just love the idea that like it it would have fit in the camp part of the film Mm. was it like it flies off and like lands in like um Charles Gray Blofeld's lap. Mm. Mr. Bond, I say. (laughs) (laughs) Instead of my cat, I have your wig. (laughs) (laughs) Wrong wrong pussy. (laughs) (laughs) Pretty hard to put diamonds on a wig. (laughs) (laughs) Diamond and diamond encrusted wig. Hair, hair pieces are forever, you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's there's got to be one we can do of two pay there. Oh, <laughs> never wear a toupee again. <laughs> I don't know. I'm sure we could come up with something. Oh, absolutely. I know. Absolutely. There's so, many, there's so many ways you could you could play off of every title with with all of his uh, his wigs and everything. Off toupee. Off toupee. Oh. <laughs> oh my uh, getting back to Thunderball for a second, because you mentioned that mm. odd duet, basically, there. Um, and it's interesting, because I love everything about that film, but I never understood that relationship either. Yeah. And it kind of, yeah. you know, I'm like, really? Come on. <laughs> you know, it, it's, and it's so much better in Never Say Never. That, yeah, that relationship it makes so I, much more sense yeah of course there is kim basing herself yeah, yeah. <laughs> i think something that really cemented it for me we recently read through uh thunderball um mm. that's the most recent one we've gone through together and in the books he is a real charming bad guy like mostly up into the books at that point uh, this is what oh, the eighth book or seventh 
Yeah, seven foot. Um, at that point, all of them have had some sort of disfiguration. All of them are somehow related to Nazis, of course. And they're all kind of like <laughs> different in one way or another. This is the first time there's a Bond villain who is legitimately charming and yeah. funny to be around. And like yeah. when he loses a cards, he loses in the fun kind of, hey, mm. over the top way. <laughs> and when it relates to Adolfo Celli and Thunderbolt, I just don't get it. Like, no. And, I, and also, I don't get the eye patch. Like, why's the eye patch there? Yeah, like, it's, it's so cliched now. Obviously, <laughs> it does age badly, but yeah, he's, mm-hmm. he's not particularly intimidating. He's not attractive in any way, shape, yeah. or form. I, I'm, I mean, I obviously not. I'm not a great person to talk about attractive men, uh, but like, it doesn't. Really, I don't know, I can't, <laughs> it's just strange, and the book reinforced that for me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and I feel like also Thunderball, not only as a book, but also as a film primarily, um, stands out as one that's also a bit divisive uh, in the community that I've, I've found out. Yeah. I thought it was one that people really enjoyed, but also it's kind of split down the middle. Yeah, well, yes, yeah. it, it's not in my top five, I must admit. Hmm. It's, for me, I, it was clearly, a st- I mean, for, for, for me, Goldfinger is the quintessential Bond movie. Mm-hmm. it's got it all like, if there's only one Bond movie I can take on my desert island it's Goldfinger every mm-hmm. time mm-hmm. and Thunderball was sort of that that next step up into the blockbuster mm-hmm. and it just seemed for me to just stretch it out just a little bit too much you could probably take 20-25 minutes off it tightened it up a little bit mm-hmm. and made it really good it, nah. I, mean, I, I like it it comes on TV here I've got it on DVD and I think yeah I'll watch it and in fact because we were doing the book for the book club recently, I rewatched the film mm. and I thoroughly I had a pleasant evening. My wife had gone to bed and I sat and watched Thunderball. Thought, yeah, I enjoyed that, <laughs> but it's not one of my top classics. It's not one that I think of you know, when I'm going for that top five. Mm. Yeah. The thing I found interesting about it, obviously, um, when when we rewatch films because we live apart, uh, I live up um, I love well, how many miles north? Hundred miles? Uh, about hundred miles yeah. away from here. Because I live quite a far away away. Whenever we do watch a film, we text each other about it and say, "Well, what our thoughts are this time?" Because sometimes our thoughts do change. Mm-hmm. Um, like there's quite a few films where I don't have gaps in my knowledge. I'm just not as quick on the quotes. Like I could quote quite a few films quite quickly because Dad watched them more when I was younger. Right. Thunderball was one where I really didn't know much about that film until I had to actively watch it myself. Mm. I didn't know very much about it at all. I mean, mm. I know a few scenes. Like for example, you played the, the scene at Silverstone. Um, yes. Yeah. We're Formula One fans, um, so there's a scene that's an F1 track there, and we do that just as a bit of an excitement, but just to see. Mm. Um, but yeah, it'd be stuff like that. Be like that. Would be like. Um, There'd be a sudden dip in Roger Moore films apart from Man with the Golden Gun, which you really like. <laughs> like you really love that. I film. like Man with the Golden Gun. Um, and then, of course, so there'd be certain gaps. And Thunderball is one I never recall really seeing that much when I was younger. Yeah. And if I did see it, it wasn't far beyond the, um, I want to say The Vindicator. What's it called in the film? Oh, the, it's, it's a Vulcan. It's, the, a, it's a Vulcan the film. Vulcan the book is called The Vindicator. Mm-hmm. I've done that more recently. I can't get it out of my head. It never really went beyond there. We had the whole yeah. trouble in scene. I don't remember too much more before actively watching it myself. Mm-hmm. Which is probably a reflection of the influence your father has on you, see, because if it's not one of my favourites, I'm not going to show it to yeah. him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which means, despite the fact I think Thunderball's better than Man with the Golden Gun, I can quote Man with the Golden Gun much quicker. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and honestly, I feel I do feel that some film, some of the films are more quotable than others though too yeah mm. oh, absolutely yeah. Well, of course. Ro- roger moore had some of the best quips oh so. he did absolutely i, mean, I agree yeah <laughs> I agree in yeah. that regard yeah but connery probably had the next best yeah if not just about as many yeah it was interesting though we, we talked about diamonds and uh perhaps i mean it's, it's a special favorite for me because it's my first bond movie it's a bit mm. like my first doctor who you know it's um <laughs> that's the one that sticks in your mind right. um but there's something about Diamonds where it was beginning to make that move to what we would know and we would see with Roger. Mm-hmm. And Connery couldn't do those quips in the same way as Roger Moore could. 
I mean, there, there were a couple of brilliant ones in there, you know, as long as the collars and cuffs match. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, he couldn't carry them off as well as Roger Moore could. Now, as the, the Moore series went on longer, I think it went too far that way. But it mm -hmm. was just an interesting, you know, you were watching a transition happening there. And perhaps it was just as well Connery stopped when he did, because for me, he's far more suited to the harder early bonds than the more lightweight um, Roger Moore bonds. And also, yeah. if we talk about that transition, it's so, so obvious in Living Daylights with Dalton, where he's mm. given some really, really Roger Moore quips, like, oh, salt yeah. corrosion, yeah. which he just can't carry off. Like, it yeah. just doesn't work as well. And to be fair, the line salt corrosion is crap. But oh, Roger Moore yeah. could make it work, for <laughs> yeah. example, because oh, that's yeah. the bond. Mm. Yeah. Um, so it's interesting, those transitions. I don't think we've really had it for Brosnan or for Craig. Because mm. Craig was obviously the soft reboot, so that's kind of like, right, we're going to go going hard and have a black and white intro, and it'll be right. here. That's kind of started there. Mm -hmm. Brosnan was just... Bro Brosnan was the Bond I grew up with, and therefore is my favourite, mm. <laughs> as Connery is dad's. So I think they hit the ground running there. But there's yeah. two transitions where a little bit shaky in between. Yeah. Yep. And George Lazenby was George Lazenby. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and, it, and it's too bad, because that was a great film. I, oh, I love that film. Right. Telly Savannah and Diana Rigg up yeah. in Piz Gloria as the, as the helicopters are coming. I mean, oh, there are two fine actors bouncing off each other. Mm -hmm. That yep. was just beautiful. Indubitably. And it would have been interesting, and you know, you and I talked about it uh, last year about if you know Timothy Dalton had taken over instead of Lazenby, had would the transition from oh. Connery into Dalton been better than uh, more into Dalton? I think it would have. Yeah, I think that hurt Dalton because people mm -hmm. that grew up with Roger Moore appreciated his sense of humor and his timing yeah. and everything, and then Timothy Dalton was such a stark contrast that yeah. I yeah. don't think people could warm to him. And I yeah. thought he was pretty good. He yeah, would have been sure. better following probably um, You Only Live Twice yeah, or yeah. Honor Majesty's Secret. You know, somewhere in there, he would have been a yeah, much yeah. better bond in terms of that transition. Mm -hmm. It would yeah, have made yeah. more sense. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's, it's one that's come up in um, popularity recently. Is um, I've always quite liked it. And I think it's because it's the, it's the forbidden fruit bond for ages. Um, but License to Kill has quite a popular following mm. recently. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And yep. while I have, while lots of people say it's a Miami Vice episode dressed up as a Bond film, which I completely disagree with, I still think <laughs> it is very good. But it wasn't well received at the time, if I recall. No. Mm -hmm. Now, of course, no. you being there, mm -hmm. what was it like? I liked it. I I very much when Living Daylights came out, I can remember thinking, oh good, this is this is better. It's a younger man, it's a tougher bond. This is what I want to see. Yep. And I was prepared to overlook the salt corrosion and the quips. <laughs> when Licensed Kill came out, of course there were huge delays, there were all sorts yeah. of problems getting the movie made. License to Kill came out, it I think it went too quick down the hard line. Mm -hmm. Rather than with Daniel Craig and doing, as you said, the, the reboot, which says, okay, we're now doing a different type of Bond. Yep. They didn't really do that with License to Kill. And you were left with a little bit of a feeling of, well, is this a Bond movie? Is this just you know a hard man going after drunk barons? What's the, where's it coming from? <laughs> mm -hmm. And although, you know, and yeah, Q was there sweeping the street. Yeah, <laughs> M, M was out. I mean, I'm, a, I'm an old-fashioned M guy. It's really got, a, you know, Bernard Lee was always going to be M. <laughs> and I was seriously impressed when Bernard Lee was on the submarine and you only live twice because it was that important bond I'm out here myself. Whoa. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's classic. Out, 
put him on the dressing down. You're thinking, no, he wouldn't. They'd have bundled him up in a Hercules, thrown him in the back and flown him to London. Because, <laughs> 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 um, um, of course, Tim, uh, Calvin Dyson's been on your show. Yes. Um, Simon Calvin says, Judy Dench, and she's like, oh, my agent's in trouble? Yes, I can go on a holiday. I think I'll go yeah. out and see them. <laughs> <laughs> Which is true, actually. It's it's very interesting, like to see how how often she like really travels, except for Skyfall. Really, is the only mm. film where she doesn't really, you know, mm. of, the, of the at least of the Daniel Craig films, it's the only one she doesn't really travel in. And partially, I think that that had to be due to the budget of that film and being a very London-based production. Um, yeah. But also yeah. on on top of that, though, it's like you know when she travels to um, the Bahamas and Casino Royale, and you're like, oh, okay, it must be this must be obviously obviously very serious because M's here. Yeah. yeah, it's like once she goes to see Strawberry Fields and Quantum of Solace, why the hell does she bother going? Like she just yeah. goes into the Great Bond. She could have done that by the phone. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Oh man! But so um, I have one last question. So if uh, there are a lot of people that are not huge Bond fans, shocker. Um, but if there was Honestly, somebody, but there are there are in the world there are people who just like don't know how to get into it or whatever and i was recently asked the question like oh like what bond film you know if i haven't watched one before like what would you you know choose you know for you know for anybody like that wants to get into the series um so i kind of want to ask what you guys think would be what would that be that one film that you would suggest if somebody wants to really get into the series i'd go for goldfinger because, of course, it is my personal favourite. For me, he was just achingly cool in Goldfinger. Gertfroh was a fantastic villain. So understated. I mean, I, I'd seen Gertfroh as a child in Magnificent Men in Their Flying Machines. And he mm. was this big pre-First World War German with a pointed helmet. All the you know, <laughs> tubers in the background as he's walking. And to see that, you know, that contrast. Fab- mm. And it was just, it ticked every single Bond box I've got and still does. Now, I suppose the problem is that's because I'm thinking, that's brilliant. That's what Bond should be about. Mm-hmm. So I'd say go and watch Bond. But, of course, you look <laughs> at this gentleman, and is that what's going to push his buttons in uh, 2021? Mm. Ooh, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> well, it's funny you say that because the, the film I'd pick is GoldenEye. Yeah. <laughs> um, now, I obviously, I do suffer from a bit of Brosnan bias. Um, which is a term I'm definitely going to trademark now. Um, um, to- to- totally do it. You need to make t-shirts out of that too. Exactly. Hashtag Brosnan bias. Um, you're right. When you can appreciate cinema in the 1960s, Golden Go Goldfinger was up there. Mm. The issue is, let's look at the modern day person. Yeah. The bits are going to stand out. The, mm-hmm. the jump cuts are going to be a little bit irritating. They're like... I don't know. I don't think it would age as well, yeah. I'm afraid. There, um, there is also, sadly, the sexism bit. The mm, smacking man talk. Dink, dink on the bottom. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. It's not going to work anymore. It's, it's nope. that and also the fact that someone who is going into Bond at this age probably can't really appreciate what Cold War, the Cold War was no. like. Yeah, exactly. So step into Goldeneye instead, which obviously is the first non-Cold War Bond film. Um, that may help in some instances. But also just the way the film is made. You got a, the intro sequence. I think is fantastic. Mm. It's got a pretty good plot. I know you'll disagree. The bad guy is fantastic, <laughs> um, and it's got something that everybody in this day and age loves. It's got a plot twist and yeah. a pretty good plot yeah. twist too. As long as you don't watch any trailers or look at any of the advertising, you probably <laughs> wouldn't know that Sean Bean is coming back. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that would probably be my choice. And 
it's still got enough of the campy fun in there. Like yeah. you could obviously, if you show somebody a Craig film as a first introduction, they'll be good, mm. but you would miss out on the fact that there's a little bit more enjoyment behind yeah. there. Um, yeah. While GoldenEye is still quite serious, it'd probably be my first pick. Yeah, yeah. and that was mine as well for the person that asked me uh-huh. that. So what, what would be yours, Dad? Oh, Goldfinger. It's the classic. It, it's the first one that kind of pulled all of the elements together. It's really yeah. the um, blueprint for all the Bond films to come. If you really yeah, think about it, exactly. It, yeah, it was the blueprint. You're right. I agree. I, I can't believe we've literally mirrored that. So insane. <laughs> that's ridiculous. <laughs> Rehearse this. We did not. No, we did not. We did not. We did not. This, yeah, is, this is transatlantic as well. This isn't just like. Is. A, this is folks in America as well as folks in Britain. It's insane. Oh my gosh, that's that's perfect. Oh man, this has been so great, guys. Thank you for coming on um, and for being oh, our guest today. Uh, this was great fun. I look forward to speaking with you both soon. Uh, don't forget to check out Chris on Instagram at British Bond Addict. Uh, I appreciate you can, it. And you can, you can also catch him on some future episodes of the podcast This Never Happened to the Other Podcast, which you and I are uh, involved with, um, hosted yeah. by our good friend Brian Levesque. Um, and so thank you again. And until next time, be well, be kind. And be Bond. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> <Brilliant>. <laughs>